When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, everybody. Russ from My Hammers 11. Hope you're all safe and well. Um, in a new venue today because still housework still going on. Um, <laughs> hope everyone is safe and well. For new channel, please consider subscribing, hitting the bell icon so you're made aware of any time we put new content on. Uh, today's guest... Um, he's always on Twitter. <laughs> it's Gantz Hammer. How are you doing, Gantz? Yeah, I'm not at all bad, thanks, Russ. How are you doing? Yeah, Building I'm work, right. Work's all okay? Yeah, not too bad, actually. Hopefully, it should be finished by by the end of this week. We'll see. But, um, yeah, you don't realise how much you need a floor. <laughs> 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 and how much having a floor makes, you know, like a difference. It goes to the toilet and, uh, and things like that. My, my wife and my daughter have moved out for the week now so um i would say it's a bachelor pad but it's not really because i'm sort of stuck in one room but hey ho it feels like being a student again but um is what it is yeah, they were the days, eh? <laughs> i know they were the days god dear Current oh, have got no idea what we actually lived in you know well yeah. certainly in my case you know best part of 35 40 years ago so uh, they've got no idea no idea no idea they're born these days it's a, it's always it's like when i think when you when you think obviously you know you know the likelihood is we're going to another little another lockdown soon but yeah. you know could could you imagine you know i mean kids i mean my daughter's eight and she doesn't know she's born really because could you imagine us having a lockdown you know with, without without no netflix without no mobile phones <laughs> and oh my god we'd be tearing each other's hair that that's for sure um, uh, spent all our time either in the park or the street exactly that was, that that was, was our method of entertainment yeah with a stick and a railing that's all we needed yeah. <laughs> so how are you how, how's how's things been the last little few months for you particularly um yeah it's stressful there's no point pretending it's stressful yeah. you know everybody being at home is difficult not having football is an outlet which is a big outlet for me um no question about that you know I, i'm a home and away season to cover so not having the ability to go away and vent my spleen um, and get the uh, aggression or whatever it is out of my uh, system has yeah. been difficult. Uh, so much so that in the end, the, the missus persuaded me to actually go away for a few days on my own with one of my mates. But she said, soon either I'm going to kill you or you're going to kill me. So <laughs> one of the best to go away and it's going to be you because, I've, you know, although my kids aren't kids, you know, my, they're at home and they need someone's got to knows what they're doing has got to look yeah. after them. and i don't know one side of the cooker from the other side of the cooker so uh nothing to be proud of so uh, uh yes it's been it's been tough and and it wasn't a great start almost the lockdown because unfortunately 
um, on the day we were man's playing Man City away 19th of Feb, which was like just at the start of all, all the kerfuffle. Unfortunately, yeah. my dad died that day, oh, and uh, I was just getting ready to go off to the game. I picked up the minibus. I was going with a few other people, uh, Steve, Crystal, Tim, um, and we were off to and a couple of us. We were off to go up to Manchester. I picked up the minibus. I got back and I got a phone call to say he, he died that morning. Um, you know, and I'd seen him on the camera. You know, we we'd installed cameras because he wasn't. You know, my old man was ninety three and riddled with cancer. Oh, wow. so not like it was a, a, an unexpected thing, but mm. it was still unexpected. You know, um, so that was a bit of a, a kibosh to the start of the whole of the lockdown mm. period. You mm. know, and hasn't got any better yet. That's no. for sure. No, um, no. Oh, jeez. I mean, yeah, about, about the only good thing is that West Ham managed to stay up. Yes. Uh, uh, they did. It bothers me, you know. I'm of an age where I've seen this so many times, having gone down, etc. It really doesn't bother me in the slightest. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's no big deal for me to see us, you know, playing whatever teams it might be, you know. And you know, the thought of possibly playing Millwall away would be quite exciting for people of my age group. Yeah. Um, and, and many other teams, not just them. You know, there's a lot of good teams that are in the division below, teams that, you know, those of us that are watched football, particularly through the 70s and the 80s, teams that we remember well that were old first division teams that, for whatever reason, have lost their way. Yeah. And that's something that we're standing particularly need to be very careful about. Yeah, you know, no, totally. Well, we God forbid to get relegated, it's not quite the shoeing that you're going to come straight back up again. No, look at Leeds, isn't it? I mean, yeah. look at Leeds. I mean, they're I mean, they down for an awful long time. Look at Man City, how long they were down for Sunderland, who looked like they completely lost the plot. Mm. You know, there's a good few teams that that were there or thereabouts and have now been out of it for a long time. Yeah, and the prospect of, of them actually getting back without you know, a major change in ownership, etc. at those clubs. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's no longer even remotely a level playing field. It's no point in us kidding ourselves that no, it is not, a, not. a level playing field. You know, it's not. And that's ignoring whether we're well managed or not well managed. That's a, a red herring in the sense that there's still a huge gulf financially between six or seven, maybe eight clubs and yeah. the rest yeah, um, and I don't know how that's ever going to be um, addressed. I don't think it ever is. I don't know if it ever is, to be perfectly honest. I think it's 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 now. It's, and unless, I mean, the, the only thing I could see, and it will never happen, is obviously if you look at um, Formula One, for example, they've yeah. now they you know it was always yeah McLaren and uh, flying not McLaren, so Mercedes. God, how long was that going? Mercedes flying high and stuff like that. Next year, I believe they're bringing in like a cap in terms yeah. of. Development costs. That's the only way that they have it across the... the pond in more or less, across the pond in more or less every sport there. Yeah, um, and to a degree, you sort of have it. I mean, I'm not someone who bets on horses or anything like that, but the little I understand of horse racing is that even in horse racing, each horse is actually has some weight put on it in order to, in theory, make them an equal horse yeah. at the start of the race. Uh, you know, I don't pretend to know anything about that, but in relation to, to football here, you know, it's seemingly so easy to ignore financial fair play. Why West Ham ever mentioned it is beyond my comprehension because no other club 
seems to be only concerned about it. No, so it's, I don't know why it's yeah. an issue for us and no one else. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's just one of these things, isn't it? But I think you're right. I, I think there's there's such a gulf now in the, in the game that you know that you see exceptions to the rule like Leicester were in exceptions to the rule in terms of winning the Premier League that yeah. won't happen again because all the other club all the all the the big boys went right okay we'll pull our socks off and spend a bit more money and that will never happen again yeah and we'll monopolize it but you know but it's we, never, we... two or more teams you know of the so-called big five big six i don't like to say big six because i hate them scallywags i mean 17 ever being included in that title <laughs> you know, that's my polite description for them not really what i want to call them um, <laughs> um so you know on that basis that you know those clubs are are, are clearly miles apart from us yeah um, i don't believe that any owners should be expected to pump in tens of millions if not hundreds of millions of pounds I actually don't think that's their requirement. I just think no. they need to be run well. I mean, again, if I re if I revert back to them, Scandinavia N17, the guy who actually owns it, um, not Daniel Lee, but the guy who really owns it, hasn't pumped a penny in. Mm. It's a self-financed business, so yeah. it can be done if you run yeah. it properly. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, player selections and purchases of recent years have been below par that's about the politest yeah. way i could describe yeah i think it, i think it's fair enough i think you know it is it all comes down to player recruitment doesn't it really and i think yeah. it always has done you know we've even you know you know you look back at you know selling joe cole and glenn johnson for like six or yeah. million so you know look, you know it's it's not like it's something which has only happened overnight it's been yeah, pandemic in west ham for years we invested it so poorly i think yeah. it's also partly that I mean, you see Leicester, you see Southampton in particular. These are teams that when they sell a player for good money, they already know who it is they're going to be replacing him with for a fraction of the cost. And you're thinking, how is it that, I mean, I can't even think of many players that we bought. I'm not saying players that we didn't home grow, players that we bought and sold on and made a profit on. Yeah. It's like almost unheard of for us to do that. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Um, and and how is it that every other club can do because that's how the Leicesters and the Southamptons yeah. and the Burnleys actually then have the money to go yeah. and be able to buy more players because they keep making player trading profits. Yeah. We seem to make it's player true. trading losses, which is a little bit of a, a worry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It is true. I mean, you look at, I mean, even Liverpool, I mean, you look at Liverpool, I mean, they, they did some, put a stat out the other day with Klopp, obviously, because he'd, he'd signed, obviously, um, Thiago and, and Jota. And it yeah. was something like across. It must have been the cop, the the Klopp era, so to speak. I think they'd yeah. they'd sold six hundred and fifty million players yeah. and have purchased six hundred and sixty million. So they'd only played ten million more than they yeah. sold, but they've won the title and got the tick. You know, it is it is as you said, it's about how it's reinvested, isn't it? And you're right, Leicester. I made a. It was something ridiculous, like two hundred and fifty million pounds off their last five six transfers or something ridiculous like yeah. that and i don't think um, we've we sold a player at a profit yeah no i don't think we have i don't think we ever have to be honest you know i can't think of anyone <laughs> that's a little bit wrong. and then also we then get on to all the rubbish about how just about every other club has always got clauses that when they sell on for even more they get a kickback we don't seem to do that either it's like yeah the sophisticated people uh allegedly we don't seem to be doing anywhere near as well as I'd like us to be doing off the pitch. On the pitch, no. 
can't blame them. Um, you know, if the manager isn't playing the players to their best or the system's not working or, mm. you know, that's not their fault. But yeah. the off, you know, it's almost like we're, we're failing on both um, parts of, of, yeah. the, of the footballing activity. And that's a little bit of a worry. Yeah, and 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 I mean it is. I mean, someone was mentioned the other day. It's it's just it's just it's it's just something about West Ham, isn't it? I mean, it's it's you've got like you know someone said the other day. Oh, I can't, might have been even Matt Lorenzo or something like that. He said, "Oh yeah, yeah, you know, we in six we won you know we won the World Cup and we had three three players in our in our side. We only finished sixth that season, you know. And it's like you know we haven't won anything, you know, major since. Well, you know, we uh, away at Birmingham when funny enough Golden Sullivan were the owners there um, yeah uh, in, in the lead up to that season if you think of the players that West Ham had and yeah. um, we, we had Cole we had Carrick we had Lampard we had Ferdinand we had Glenn Johnson just came on the scene just after that day we had the backbone of the England team yeah and indeed <laughs> and, and uh, until unfortunately Glenn Hodder was replaced we were truly awful. Our home record was beyond shocking. I mean, how how any manager was allowed to stay in place, whatever unfortunately his, you know his health situation was, yeah. made no sense at all. We were absolutely awful with such quality players. It is. It was. It was the. It's that you know. Obviously, the, the the too good to go down. You know, tag was put on that side. And you're right. I mean, funny enough, we had. Um, we had what was it? Uh, we had Tony Carr. We interviewed Tony Carr, and he he put his eleven down of, of his academy stuff, right. and um, and like you know, it was his eleven, and it was basically the England team, and yeah, that twenty ten. I think it was that twenty ten yeah, World Cup. Nineties team, yeah, yeah. The tw- I think the twenty ten World Cup. I think a third of the squad had come through the academy, which yeah. was just shocking. When you think yeah. about it, and uh, yeah. you're right, it's just when I, it's just, it's just pandemic of being a West Ham fan, and and I think that's yeah. why, and that, I think that's why, you know, West Ham fans are like they are. I think it's, I think if we had, I don't think we'd be the same group of group of fans if we were a Man City or were a Liverpool turning over teams every week. That's not what we're about. It is about. It is about those three or four times a season that they turn up, and for the other. You know, twenty odd games. You're going. Why the fuck is this team not turning up again? You know, but yeah, and and that's that's why we. You know, it's like someone said it was. They said their kid was being a bit, you know, uh, wobbly in case he, he might, might want to go and support Liverpool. And yeah. he's uh, his dad encouraged him to keep supporting West Ham because he said it's character building, and that is so true. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I mean, I, I've been. I mean, my my three kids have all been mascots, home and away. Wow. Um, I can remember. I can remember my eldest one is now about to turn thirty-one, being mascot at Sunderland away on her first day at high school, and I took her out of her first day at secondary <laughs> school and took her all the way up to Sunderland to be mascot. And I can remember taking her in the next day with a letter to the head teacher and then getting a phone call about you know how and why I'd done that. I said it's part of the, her development as a character. You know, yeah. she needed to understand. That you know, it wasn't just about school. There were other things that she needed to to know about. Um, and I'm a firm believer. I'm, my next one down, you know, I think she lived through two West Ham relegations in her formative, you know, early adulthood. Uh, sorry, childhood. And she, I remember coming to me saying, 
oh, would it be okay if I followed another team? And like a lot of people my age group, we've all got friends. I mean, I've got a lot of friends who support, you know, teams like Leeds, etc., who've been in the Dolphins for Dodgers, and they allowed their kids to support other teams. And yeah, I remember yeah. saying, there was a girl, this one, I remember saying, so, yeah, yeah, of course you can support another team. Where are you moving to? And she looked at me. She was all about nine at the time. She was very perplexed. And she went to mum. She said, Daddy says I'm moving. And, and mum said, well, what did you discuss with her? She said, I discussed supporting another football team. She said, um, ah, there are no other football teams allowed in this house. It's <laughs> not like you're our friends where, you know, daddy supports Tottenham or Arsenal, God forbid, or, or Lee's. And one of the kids supports another team and they've got the bed linen and all that. It won't happen in our house. It just yeah. It's a non-starter. So yeah. go back to your dad and just tell him you've changed your mind, you want to continue to support West Ham, and there'll be no more conversation about where you're moving. So. <laughs> and that's how it is in my house. There is no – it's not up for debate. Yeah. Oh, I love uh, it. I love know, it. And, and it, it, it is character building in a, way, in a sense, particularly if – which my children thankfully have had to a great degree everything on a plate for them. You know, um, it's nice for them to realise actually not everything in this world is on a plate, um, yeah. and it's helped ground them and realise that they do need to have some some social and moral principles because it isn't just oh yes we deserve to win we expect to win because we're united as less than the Manchester fans like to call themselves, um, you know, and that's important for me. Yeah, for them. No, I, I um, totally yeah, that. Right. yeah, no, it is, mean, and that is right with, with the players is. I'm more concerned whether they try. I don't, you know, I've, I grew up through watching the 70s and the 80s teams in mm. particular, and certainly into the early 90s with some shocking teams, you know, absolutely, truly awful teams. All that mattered, you know, with someone like Ian Down, did he try? I didn't care whether he was good, bad, or indifferent. Did he try? That was all that mattered. Did he show that he cared playing? For the shirt and the bag, and he did. And there were many other players. I, you know, yeah. not saying I can remember them on too much of getting of an old fart to remember everything. But you know, these players really put an effort in. Too yeah. many of the players that we watch nowadays, and it's not their price tag that I'm bothered about because every player's got a price tag that makes no sense. And um, you just look at them, you're thinking, you're not even trying. You're not even trying. I mean. You know, you can remember even players, let's say Ian Wright, when he came to play for us in, in his twilight years, etc. Mm. You'd watch him chase a ball back. He wouldn't just, oh, I'm standing, you know, by the penalty box or the half yard. He would run after a ball that he'd lost. And you see, I don't want to knock Hallow or any of the current players. They just don't want to put that effort in. And that's the bit that annoys me. You know, mm. I don't care whether they're good, bad or indifferent. I'd like them just to show that they actually care and want to put the shift in. Yeah. Um, and and this is, I mean, that's the thing that's, that comes across when you interview everyone, you know, it is that it, I, I don't know if it's just a West Ham thing or just a fan in general for their club, but you, you assume that, you know, if they put a shift in, as you said, they don't have to be the most skillful player in the world, but if they try, it's not their fault if they're not skillful, uh, you know, but yeah. they've been put into this position, but as long as they're, and I think, you know, and I, and I think in, in recent in, in terms of particularly the last two signings, in terms of Bowen and Suchek, you've got two two guys who have that 
mentality it seems you know what i mean yeah. it's like bowen from it's like british you know sort of it would just it, we, to be honest he's playing more right back to be honest at the moment yeah. than right wing but and suchek he just seems to have the right work ethic he just seems to yeah, really sort exactly of exactly the two words work ethic yeah um, far too many players and you see them even not even just on the pitch when you read about what they get up to in their personal private yeah. lives you're thinking really you yeah. don't understand that's not
you know, the, the FA Cup is a bit in terms of, I mean, you know, obviously you've got um, we've got Hull in the next round, and then then after that, I think the next round after that isn't until mid like late December, um, oh. and which is a biz- bizarre way it's yeah. been set up. But actually, you think about it, if they all just move the games a little bit later on. You know, mm. by the FA Cup, for example, FA Cup's in January. By January, you know roughly what your season's going to be like. Mm. By a complete catastrophe, if you yeah. sort of, you know, you know, so then you can see. But obviously, the the, the League Cup is starts so early that people are just scared about getting getting injuries and so early on yeah. in the season. It's just, I think it's the way. I think it's how it's been scheduled. I think if it was scheduled slightly later, you would actually have obviously have more games to play. But I think you'd get a higher caliber because I think people would. As you said, have a go at it because they know what their season's going to be looking like. And um, but I mean, the big, the big teams, you know, certainly the Chelsea's of this world, who've actually got probably not even two teams but three teams, in yeah, there, you know, almost in their squad. Yeah, you know, if it wasn't for the fact there was a, a limit to the squad size, they'd probably have an American football type team yes. size squad, uh, and that wouldn't be an issue for them. You know, no. that they've almost got two teams, and Man City's not much different. I'm not saying that, that Liverpool or Arsenal have actually got, you know, two lots of 11s, but they've certainly got maybe 19 out of the 22 players that they would need. Um, so it's not an issue. Whereas, you know, a team like West Ham, you know, we've barely got 14 or 15 players. Everyone else that's there is not really a first choice player. They're there because there isn't anyone else. Um, and they're not real competition, and we know they're not real competition. I mean, we see it, dare I say, it, it, with our left and right backs, and to a degree with our central defenders. Yeah. There is no competition for them. I mean, who's actually going to come in for Cresswell? Well, what comes in is actually not a replacement left back, but a left winger stroke left wing back. So we play mm. Cresswell and Masuaku. Mm. You know, same with Fredericks. So we don't actually replace them, we put another player next to them. Uh, as well as rather than oh here's some proper competition for you yeah it's true Um, it is is true and 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 that's where it's sort of like okay why are we not able to find and have actual replacements that that can come in and can put them under proper pressure Mm. um i don't know (laughs) i mean it was interesting i saw i think i saw a tweet this morning about how many players are out of contract at the end of this summer, i.e. the end of this season, so, you know, in, in June. There's an awful lot, eight current first-team players, of which five or six are starting players, are out of contract at the end of this season. Interesting. Um, that's an awful lot of players that we need to replace. Mm. Um, and I'm, like, I'm thinking, right, OK, how are we going to go about doing that? Because even if we save their wages which are then matched by the wages of the player coming in. None of these players have got any resale value, as far as I can tell, bar possibly Cullen. You know, you've got Noble's contract is up, Snodgrass's contract is up. Um, I think Martin's contract is up, although I wouldn't say he's obviously a first team, a regular first team. But, you know, there's, a, there's far too many players that we're going to have to replace between now and June. Mm. Um, I just wonder how or where that's going to happen from. Um, it'd be interesting, but then it's, but then you know, it's, it's it might, it might be an, might be an opportunity to, you know, because I mean, as you said, all those players you you sort of you, you mentioned, they're all 
you know, in their thirties, one in their thirties. Um, it, it might give us, you know, we can see, you know, <coughs> we've interviewed like, uh, like Kevin Keane, obviously uh, under 18s. There's a lot of good, a lot of good youngsters coming through. Yeah. <coughs> but now's the time we need to be, you know, put them in, you know, and, yeah. and work with them rather than stick with the older guys who are not going to maybe here after, after June. And, yeah. and give these guys a bit of a run out straight away so they get used to what it's like to be a West Ham first teamer. But who knows? Who knows, Gans? I have no idea. I mean, at the moment, in some ways, you know, that one of the things that you've often, I've often read about is, is for a player to come in at 18 or 19 and play in front of 30 or 40,000, let alone 50, 60,000, is a very daunting, you know, change from playing in an under 18 or under 20 course, yeah. game where there might be 50 or 100 people watching them. But we're playing in an empty stadium at the moment. Now would be a prime yeah. opportunity to let them, okay, I'm in a huge stadium, but I haven't got 20,000 people screaming at me. What the Forex am I doing? Um, I don't know why we don't seem to, to flood the younger players uh, often. You know, it's always, well, let's put them out on loan somewhere. Let's put them out. On and they're like continually out on loan. Either they're yes. good enough or they're not good enough. You yeah, know, you can't. I mean, Cullen's a prime example. He's not like he's a youngster. He's three years older than than uh, Declan. Yes. So at the moment, either he's he's good enough or he's not good enough. Give yeah. him a chance. Give him not one game in the cup. Give him three or four league games. Let him make his mistakes and see if he. But we're so petrified. Oh, we can't afford to take the risk of getting relegated. Well. Everyone seems to think we're going to get no points anyway for the next four or five games. So where's yeah. the where's the harm? Oh well, we're damaged yeah. his you know mental state, etc. We play him and we get shoved stuffed by Wolves or Man City or whoever it might be. I'd still do it. I'd still yeah. give the players the chance. Yeah, you know, no, it's true. See, I mean, if a player's any good, how old is Rashford? How old are these players? If they're good it's enough, true. they'll produce. Um, if they're not good enough, well, then we're, we're wasting our time thinking they're going to be good enough and they're going to come through. Um, so whether it's the under-18s or the under-23 development or whatever it is, we actually need to be playing one or two of these players now um, and, and seeing what they're really like, particularly if, you know, someone like, you know, Johnson at either left-back or right-back, to actually make um, Cresswell or Fredericks realise that They've got some genuine competition. Instead mm. of saying, "Oh, well, they're you know that that they're you know they they've got Premier League experience and that's why we're picking them," that's not a grounds for picking them just because they've got Premier League experience. They need to actually be capable. Um, yeah. And we don't seem to. There's so many things that make no sense to, to most people looking in. You know, mm. I mean, you know, last weekend's game is a prime example. Yeah, we, we controlled the second half. We had numerous chances. But most of those chances were particularly crosses for Masuaku. The obvious player that should be on the end of them is Haller, and he gets brought on only once we conceded a second goal. Forget yeah. whether their goal was dodgy or not dodgy. Most the big six seem to get an awful lot of dodgy goals. Never, <laughs> ever question. Forget VAR not actually giving it our way. It doesn't even go to VAR. You're no. thinking, supposed to go to VAR as a matter of course and it doesn't seem so and you're like well why doesn't it go to VAR I'd, I'd accept if VAR said no no 
it's wrong. It's almost like it yes. doesn't go to VAR because they know that if it did, they'd have to disallow it or give West Ham the advantage, whichever way round it might be. I mean, they have, yeah. they have a penalty that uh, is under the rules 100% that we should have got. And they also have a goal that was probably dis that was offside. But no one gives a monkeys about these things. No, it's weird, isn't it? What I but don't again, understand is why we, we as a club don't play. I mean, one of the things that, that's often interesting when you watch a game is whenever a, the other team concede a free kick against us, they'll stand a player in front of that ball so that we cannot take a free kick, okay? No quick free kicks. They'll stand and every team will do that almost without fail. We don't dream of doing that. That kind mm. of, I'm not saying it's good or bad, you know, behaviour, you know, like a lot of things that I don't find enjoyable about modern football and a lack of respect generally. But we just don't even have any game management or how they still hassle the referee, give a yellow card, give a free kick, whatever. We don't appeal. We just walk away. We're just, just not in our DNA. We just mm. roll over and accept all of that kind of rubbish. And that's yeah, I mean, quite... We've always been seen to be a bit of a soft touch, really, haven't we? I think in in, in West Ham in general. But um, I mean, you know, it's, I noticed the other. I noticed since since Nolan's come in, we've been a little bit more nastier, and not not nastier, but a bit more, you know, like Antonio. You'll see him do the Kevin Nolan corner routine where he just stands and plonks himself in front of the keeper, and he can't push him around or get around him. And and but I know what you mean. It's like. It, actually, watching that um, that that um, our friends in Three Point Lanes documentary uh, mm. Amazon thing, that's what Mourinho's trying to get them to do is be more nastier, be a bastard, yeah. you know. Be and I think, and I just think it's 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 ingrained in some teams' DNA. So you know, yeah, Arsenal were I mean, always petulant and they always moaned, and you know, and it's you're right, we just don't do that enough, do we? I mean. Uh... So it was probably a couple of seasons ago. We won away at Southampton, I think, on Boxing Day or just before Boxing Day or something like that. Yeah. And we were absolutely fantastic, really fantastic. We went up to Burnley and they completely took the pee out of us, lying on the floor, feigning injury. It was embarrassing to watch. And you're thinking, right, which West Ham players actually going to stand up and actually do a Billy Bonds or a Julian Dix or, or even uh, Marco Bugas, and actually take one of their players out correctly within the and let them know we're not having this piss taking. No, they just, yeah. we just roll over, get rolled over repeatedly, kicked all over the place with them feigning injury and falling over. And like, okay, yeah, we'll just put up with that. And it, that's the kind of thing that, I mean, certainly for people like me, you start to wonder. Do I really enjoy football? I mean, I don't watch any other team. I have absolutely no interest in watching any other team playing bar England. Doesn't yeah. interest me at all. You know, people say to me, oh, come down. Well, get your car come down the pub now. And certainly I will be laughing next week on Monday when the Gooners and the Scousers have to get kicked out because the game hasn't finished yet. But pub has <laughs> yes, to good point. Yeah, technically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we're only in the 85th minute. Well, I'm really sorry, lads. You've got to go now. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't interest me in the slightest. I have no yeah. desire to watch any other team, which, of course, then means that when you say, oh, what do you think of so-and-so, so-and-so team? No idea. 
got no mm. unless I've watched him play against West Ham. I don't know who you're talking about. You know, so when people say, you know, like on Twitter, you know, uh, oh, we're looking at signing so and so, particularly from a European team, I say, well, okay, I'll go and speak with one of my 18 or 19 year old relatives because he's playing, you know, PS yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. know who, who the player is. I ain't got a yeah. Scooby doing. I'm not looking him up on YouTube. I'm not interested. You know, uh, in fact, I often rely upon there's a, he's now about 14, the little boy. I I often rely upon, upon him and say, okay, have you heard of this player? What's he like? Yeah. What's his stats? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know who he is. You know, I, I'm, I'm almost like the, 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 the Carlos kickable from Alan Sugar from about 25 years ago type mentality. Yeah. Bit, yeah. Bit, bit stuck in the mud, unfortunately, for my own good. No, it's not. As you said, as you said, you're right. It's like some people, you know, as you said, same as me. I only know some players because because they're on FIFA. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, I've heard of him. He's quite good. Um, but no, yeah, it's it is. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, it is what it is with West Ham in it, and that, that's why we support them because like I've been funny. You know, we could have a, a 35 minute discussion about West Ham, and, yeah. and it's felt like five minutes quickly already yeah. you know it, it, you yeah. can just go on and on that's that's the great thing about west ham um and, and and that's why i like doing this show because everyone has their own opinions and everyone has their own or ways of looking at things and stuff like that and um, yeah. it's really interesting i, I just like i just like listening because i think it's, i find it, absolutely I think it depends on what decade in particular you start totally, to go yeah you know i mean i i first got taken over west ham when i was about seven it, it, just into the 1970s um so i mean i remember watching clyde best only because uh, right or wrongly it, it was obvious there's a black player yeah. on the pitch yeah and he was a quality player got nothing to do mm. with anything he was a quality player i mean i watched the very end of bobby moore playing i can't remember him at all i'd be lying if i said i could remember him playing because mm. i don't i don't remember him at all i don't remember Hurst or peters playing for west ham even though I did start to see them right at that particular period of time. My abiding memory of Bobby Moore is seeing him playing for Fulham against West Ham in yes. the final. Yeah, mm. that's, that's what I remember of Bobby Moore. Uh, and I think, I'm trying to think, was it Mullery that was playing for us as well, if my memory serves me I believe correctly. so, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's my memory of, of it. I, I really only start remembering players from about 75, 76 onwards. Yeah. Before then, you know, when I started going, you know, when I went to secondary school and I started going, instead of with, with um, a friend of one of my parents or my brother, actually, really, um, I started going with two kids from school. Um, I, I really don't remember anything before then. So I remember 75, 76 onwards. Um, yeah. and, and that's about it. Um, you know, before that period, you know, I may have seen those players, but it means absolutely nothing to me. No, you know, I, I couldn't put. I couldn't honestly put any of those players in a team because I don't yeah. know them. No, it's fair enough. I don't, I, don't, I don't know in the sense that I don't consciously remember them playing. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh. And and that's something that you know. I. I you know. Uh, what I do remember is that when I first got taken over West Ham, West Ham were almost the nearly team. You know what people forget <laughs> is that through the sixties in particular, everyone remembers who wins something. They may remember who was the losing finalist. What they won't remember is the teams that got to the semi-finals and actually didn't actually progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
can see how many times West Ham were there or thereabouts in the 60s. It's only because, you know, I was brought and taken to the game by someone who's, you know, maybe is about seven, eight years older than me, that, yeah, yeah, well, West Ham were in the semi-final for this. And we, yeah, okay, if you say so, you know. <laughs> and in those days, which was very common, certainly when I was seven, eight, nine, you know, I watched West Ham one week and Leighton Orient the other week. Yeah, me you know? too. Yeah, yeah. Now, one week I was watching West Ham home, the other week I watched Orient at home. So I can remember people like Laurie Cunningham over there, etc., and 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 Tommy Taylor playing at Orient as much as I can remember him playing at West Ham. Yeah. Um, so it, it's interesting um, that you know nowadays everyone's oh I've only got you know that team I wouldn't dream of going to watch. Yeah, you know? whereas you know if Orient are playing and West Ham aren't playing, I'll still happily go over there and watch them. Yeah. You know, um, because I've still got some affection. And forget all the nonsense about the Olympic Stadium, etc. That's just business. That's got sod all to do with football. Yeah. You know, I I enjoy watching those kind of teams. First of all, it's much more realistic. I mean, you can actually hear the players and the manager shouting at the players, etc. You can actually hear what's going on. Yes. I mean, uh, uh, certainly at our, our new stadium, but even at, at Upton Park. You didn't have a clue what was going. You know, you can't no. hear. Whereas again, when I was a kid and I was right down the front of the north, you could hear the players. You could hear yeah. what was being said yeah. to each other. Yeah, those are memories that will always stay with me. Yeah, you know, exactly. you know, those are great times. And yeah, again, and that... nothing to do with the football, albeit yeah. that again, in my formative years, you know, when I was 14, 15, West Ham walking away with the second division. I mean, that was a phenomenal season to be following West Ham. Mm. And we were just absolutely walking away with with the second division. You know, we won the FA Cup. You know, should really have been two 0 if it wasn't for that dirty Arsenal scumbag defender. Um, you know, it's nowadays uh, I go because of the people I know. Yeah, of course. Football, yeah, <laughs> I, secondary. Uh, it is secondary though. It is secondary. I, You're I mean, right. I've got a friend who now lives overseas and um, who still got his season ticket. Um, at West Ham, even though he don't live here, one I think one of his grown-up grandchildren actually uses it. Um, he actually um, stopped going even into Upton Park. You know, he just said, oh, "I can't take, I can't take all the people around me who seem to have delusions of grandeur. They seem to forget yeah. where I'm from. I don't know why they think we're going to beat, you know, Arsenal or Man United or Man City. It's not going to happen. You know, it might no. happen, but it's not likely to." Um, but it's the expectation of everyone saying, oh, yeah, you know, we should be. Why should we be a team competing with the top five? It's be honest. Look at our squad and look at their squads and say, mm. it's, you know, yes, I know Leicester won the league. They won the league in a season in which at least three, if not four, of the normal top five completely fell. I mean, look where we could have finished. Yeah. Had we pushed on in January, you know, etc. We, we've got no idea. Um, how to develop as a club? Um, that's true. Then how, yeah. if, how, when that's ever going to change? Because um, it's not just these owners; it's been several owners that we've had. Yeah, to say it's been pandemic. It's pandemic, isn't it? Uh, uh, wrong word, but yeah, it, it, it's in our DNA. I think. Yes, yes. Uh, as the song so, as the song goes, our dreams. You know, um, yeah, I mean, we've set our stall out already, haven't we? To be honest, yeah. with that song, you know, it's not like yeah. it's a, a war chant song. It's one of the things about failing and dying. So, you know, we've we put ourselves up for a fall anyway. There, but um, talking, of, 
Yeah, talking about the players, let's let's crack on with your eleven because I'm, okay. I'm interested about this. So, obviously, the only caveat is you have to be alive to have seen them play. So, and that's it. That's the only caveat. You can pick whoever okay. you want. Uh, for me, starting uh, in goal, it would yeah. be Phil Parks. Parks, I mean, yeah. We've had plenty of decent goalkeepers since. Um, uh, at least one of my kids will be vitally disappointed that I haven't said Shaka Hislop because she had, a, almost a, well, I'd say, a crush on, on him, a t an adolescent teenage crush on him. But we've yeah. had plenty of other decent goalkeepers, David James, etc. cetera. Um, I don't want to, I'll probably not remember all of them, but for me, Again, because of the year of 78, 79, yeah, 80, right, yeah. how much he paid for Phil Parks in those days, mm. etc. You know, he was a big sign and he made an enormous difference. And again, that's not knocking a player like Ludo. You know, McCloskey was also a quality player for us. So we've had some yeah. decent goalkeepers. Uh, we have had some some nightmares, McKnight in particular, bless him. But I don't want to dwell on those players that weren't quite as good as they could have been. But no, he he was a top top goalkeeper for me. Yeah, he was, um, and a cracking guy as well. And Lovely then I, I would have a back five starting with a sweeper, um, and that would be Rio Ferdinand, yep. who by the time he left West Ham was without doubt, as Harry <laughs> regularly called him, a role He really was genuinely well yeah. classed. You know, whether sending him, I think it was eighteen million to Leeds, which at the time. That was, a, that was around the time of the whole thing about the Bosman free transfers, etc. Mm. Was that going to be the end of transfer fees, etc.? We all know that that's not remotely true. No. But, but Rio Ferdinand, even at that point in time, was definitely genuinely world class oh, before yeah. he left. And, and that's relevant because there's several players that I haven't included uh, Michael Carrick, Frank Lampard, Junior, etc., who were. Or went on to become world-class players, yeah. but weren't necessarily at that stage when they left West Ham. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, Frank Lampard, and I take my hat off him, even though I absolutely abuse him when I see him, is without doubt one of the best players I've ever seen playing in English football. Certainly at mm. England level, and for them scum from Stamford Bridge, um, but. You know, not whilst he was he was good at West Ham, but he wasn't there long enough to actually prove his worth. So Rio Ferdinand at the back, at left back, we go back to Frank Lampard, Frank Lampard Senior, who was a quality left back. Um, if only we could actually get someone of that kind of ilk again. I mean, yeah. Julian is, is only narrowly pushed out by Frank Lampard, um, yeah. but you know. I know that Julian is a cult hero for many fans, but actually that's more in their mind than actually on the pitch. Now, he was a great penalty taker, um, which is reflected by my right back, which is Ray Stewart, who I think was probably an even better penalty taker. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, without a doubt, you know, Ray had the coolest you know, situation, every time we had a penalty, you really just assumed it was a goal. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. With Julian Dix and with Mark Noble. And, I mean, I'm no stato, but if you look through the stats of our players all the way back to that kind of era forward, these players were always our second or third highest goal scorer. Ray Stewart, Julian Dix, 
Mark Noble, not our strikers, but the person taking the penalties for us. Yeah. Um, I'd finish off our defence with Stretch, with Alvin Martin, um, and I would uh, have a go uh, alongside him Billy Bonds. I know that, again, people slightly older than me would have seen him as a midfielder, but I predominantly saw him um, as a um, and that, to me, were the two. Now, I've seen plenty of other players over the years, Thomas Repka, Slavon Bilic, yeah. loads of other players that are, have been really good in their time. But these two in particular, long-serving, constantly performed. I mean, Billy Bonds is, was, and will always remain my West Ham hero. I mean, he was just absolutely the man on the pitch. I mean, anyone who watched West Ham in the 70s and the early 80s, etc. you know, no, he took no prisoners. You know, yeah. if a player of ours, which is the point I was making earlier on, if a Burnley player was to do something to one of our players today, and Billy Bonds was playing, he would run the length of the pitch to make sure that he got a tackle in and they knew that their card was marked. Yeah. You don't have a player that does that anymore. Nah. But I don't think you do that. I don't. I don't think you do. You have that in the, in in the modern game. You don't get those hard boys anymore. You don't get those. You know, even after after Billy, you had the you know the, the Vieras, the Roy Keens. You, know, you just don't get hard man anymore now, do you? And well, you get midfielders etc. that that are prepared to to put so, yeah. We don't. I mean, and that's not knocking someone like Mark. No. But no one is actually intimidated by him in the slightest way. No. You know, even if he does pick up a player and take him off the pitch, yes. no, one, no one's really intimidated by him. No. Yeah, no one's actually going to be bothered by, oh, yeah, Mark Noble's going to come in with a crunching tackle. No, yeah, I know. Yeah, yes, I agree. Yeah. Players like John Moncur, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, it always used to make me laugh. You know, in the, ad, the early advent of, of, of in-match betting, and it was like, <laughs> how long till John Moncur gets a red card? You know, you're thinking... What bookmaker hasn't tweaked that he's going to get a red card within the first minute if he hasn't started the game? You know, here's a surefire bet. You know, all these people, you know, I see people on Twitter going say, oh, yeah, let, you know, nine to two for so-and-so to get a yellow card. You're going to bet on John Monker every single game. No oh, question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you probably wouldn't give another time. No, I thought uh, we'd give any trouble. Yeah, yeah, it's trouble. So, so that's our defence. Into our midfield. Well, again, I suspect Pete will be more concerned by some of the players I've missed out. Um, I haven't included Trevor Booking, as fantastic as he was. And again, I saw him through most of his mm. pride. Um, in there, uh, despite the fact that many people think that he left in a terrible way, Dimitri Payet, whose quality was just world-class in that season. Yeah. Absolutely yes, world-class. I'm not going to comment on you know, whether he the method of his departure because one could say the same about Paul Lintz. You know, yeah. I can't imagine there'll be anyone who'll pick Paul Lintz in a West Ham midfield. But actually, you took your, your specs off and actually said, was he a quality player? No question. Mm. <laughs> he was a top, top player, Paul Lintz. Um, but again, whilst he was at West Ham, a bit like going back to Lampard Jr. and Carrick and Joe Cole, who's not in my midfield either, I mean, we've had an awful lot of really, really good players, but they've developed, if I say it, unfortunately, after they've left West Ham. Yeah. Um, alongside Dimitri Payet would be my other West Ham hero, which is Alan Devonshire, yeah. uh, a man so underrated 
by those who didn't actually watch him play. If you remember what the pitches were like in the era in which he played and the injury that he suffered, the man was truly absolutely top, top notch. Um, and again, it's only people in their 50s and their 60s who will tell you, yes, Devo really was one of the best players that we ever had. Oh, um, and, and alongside them, being that I'm generally on the view that we're going to score more goals than you because we've got a decent defence and goalkeeper, I would have Yossi Benayoun. Oh. Now, he was a player, again, that if you actually watched him play, like Paye, like Devonshire, just created chance after chance after chance. Um, and it's I, I, I'm from that era where I want to watch enjoyable football. I don't want to watch, I mean, with the greatest respect to David Moyes, you know, our first game at home to Newcastle, you look at our midfield and you're thinking, right, you don't want to concede a goal. Not you want to score a goal, you just don't want to concede a goal. Mate, we're playing at home to Newcastle. We're not playing at home to Manchester City, who might rip us a new hole. With the greatest yeah. respect to Newcastle, they got one decent player, probably. <coughs> That's it. So why are we playing so negatively? So I, I'm very much of the era of wanting to play attractive football, and that's where it would come. It would come from, from that midfield. Nice. Uh, ben Paye, and Devonshire. And then up front, um, because he was my hero, because he scored four goals away at the Slags, uh, David Cross, no question about it. Um, if you need a target man, he was your player. Um, yeah. There were so many other strikers that I've seen that I've enjoyed watching. Pop Robson, John Hartson, Paul Goddard again, going back to the, you know, the late 70s, early 80s. But David Cross was, as far as I was concerned, the target striker that we needed. And alongside him, well, there could be no one else but Paolo Di Canio. Yeah. I mean, that man was another footballing genius. Um, I'd love him to come back and actually manage West Ham as crazy as he clearly really? is. <laughs> and his vile political views or apparent political views, maybe they're not even true, who knows. Um, but that man was truly a footballing genius to watch. Um, the man was just, you know, out there. And again, there's been lots of other players that, you know, I've thought about, you know, having gone back and looked at what the teams were all the way yeah. back when I can consciously remember from 73, 74 forward. But that would be my starting 11 of the players I've watched. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Oh, Grant, that was, that was, that was, that was fun. That's, yeah. I mean, I think that's, I, I, do you know what? I, I love the fact that, I, I love the fact that, that, but that sort of the midfield, particularly, it's like you know you've been you've been really brutally honest, and I, I actually I really like that because you're right. Actually, people like Lampard's Junior and Carrick and stuff. You're right; they didn't they they developed into world class players after they yeah. left West Ham, and that's that's right. And you're you, that's um that's another, and I like it because it's a different way of looking at it because it's a generational thing as well, and I think it's brilliant. It's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that I wouldn't have picked them. No, of course I'm not. I'm not picking them because whilst they were at West Ham, they weren't yeah. at the level they were. Yeah, yeah. Or became, yeah. should I say. You know, and, and they truly became. There's no question about it. I mean, I've ignored Jermaine Defoe, who was a quality. I mean, ignoring his, 
is you know throwing his toys out the pram again at Birmingham away, etc. You know, because you you know that's no different to let's say Ince's situation. You know, they're all young, they're impressionable, they're led by. I mean, look at look at uh, uh, um, Jeremy leaving us at the end of last season. Yeah, poorly advised. Yeah, you know, yeah. simple as that. You know, they all think that that they're going to get whatever it is that they want immediately because that's the way they've now been um, indoctrinated as opposed yes. to realising, yeah. well, okay, maybe I have got to wait six months or a year, except to improve myself. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's plenty of, I mean, you know, someone like Trevor Sinclair, another quality player that I so much enjoyed watching. And, you know, Joker, there were so many players over the years um, that I have enjoyed watching that haven't unfortunately made the team. You know, I could easily do a second 11. I'd be easy. almost as impressed with the second 11 as I was with the first 11. Yeah. Um, yeah. But alas, um, unlike when I was debating this team with, with my Guna friend, in fact, those people who were on Twitter would have noticed that I had to actually buy the beers that night. I was <laughs> in the late 90s, 1998, 99, 2000. I was trying to find out whether there was ever a period of time whether Lampard, Carrick, Defoe, and Cole all played together because Ferdinand yeah. had already just left. Yeah. And the three of them, three of them play but uh, at different times, but never all four. Um, so it was quite interesting to see that they were there, but they didn't actually play all of them. Yeah. And you yeah, think, wow, what a team that we must have had and kept, we've still got relegated with it. So um, <laughs> <laughs> and we got some decent money for them. I mean, you know, we think about you know Glenn Johnson. We got six million pounds from him after one season. I think. Not even, even that. I think yeah, he played like a dozen games, fifteen games, something like that for us. I think as well. So, yeah. so it, it weren't it, too it, bad. And six million pounds a day would not be considered, even with the super inflated transfer prices. Mm. That would still be considered a reasonable sum of money. So mm. think about what 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 we got for our players then. Mm. You know, and then of course you could always have your worst eleven. That would invariably yes. involve players that we signed from Arsenal. Uh, yes. They were nearly always absolutely shocked. The only one that would be an exception to that, Vaughan, again, I didn't include him because in his period for West Ham, he was no longer at the top, was Liam Brady, yeah, yeah, true. who was without doubt up there with Trevor Brooking, with Devonshire, certainly yeah. as far as I'm concerned, you know, a masterclass player. But we signed him at the end of his career, etc. Mm. Barely saw him. Uh, you know, so there are there have been uh, some decent players, but they're at the twilight of their career and they haven't played. They tend to be though, don't they? They tend to be, and I think that's why historically we've never really made profit on on transfers because we tend to get <laughs> the players at the bookends of their career. I always call it rather uh, just I mean, coming in and or just coming out. I mean, the the one piece of advice I would give to the people that run our club is never ever sign a player that's been at Arsenal who's actually done more than seven or eight years there. Yeah. The only player that was the exception to that rule was John Hartson, who'd only been there a couple of years. True. Every other player that we've had has been an unmitigated disaster, or they're already at the end of their career. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, the, the other players that we signed that were decent, Winterburn, people forget the play person, how no decent idea. he was for us. Um, uh, and we've had some decent left-backs and right-backs that have been at the end of their career. Um, but they have been at the end of their career, and we've exactly. only, you know, Stuart's another one. You know, yeah. I don't, 
I can't remember exactly how many seasons he played for us, and I certainly remember him playing on, I think, with a broken leg, if my memory serves me correctly, yes. um, in one of the games. You know, our players, if they damage a toe, can't play allegedly. Um, you know, it's <laughs> It is a different world now. Football is a different world, unfortunately. As you said, the money in it and and players don't hang around for more than a couple of years now. And I mean, you look at that team, you've got Alvin, you've got Bonzo, I mean, double testimonial years for them. Um, and it just, but you don't get that nowadays. And I think that's the trouble because I think you get people from, from, from a, a more, a more experienced generation, we'll call it, who had, who lived through that time, you know, yeah. we'd like Gailey and every year Gailey was at West Ham was a testimonial year for, for a player. And, yeah. and, and so, you know, the experienced fans come from that area. The, 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 the new, the less experienced fans, the younger fans come from an era where it's two, three years. If you get f- more than three years out of a player, they become a legend, you know, yeah. and it's, it, I think that's the trouble. You oh, get these little word, it, legends. Yes. Exactly. It just is the most overused word. And, and then they, or they become a legend, but they don't become a legend because then they go, to, they go to our friends in, um, in seventeen. You go, well, okay, well, how can he be a legend, but he can't be a legend? And yeah. oh, I don't know, yeah. But that's why I like this show. It's just debate. Everyone has a different views and stuff. Yeah, and that's yeah. why, and that's what I love about it. But um, it's been great. You know, literally an hour has almost has flown by without really blinking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so thank you. Well, thank you so- us i've really enjoyed it's it it's been a pleasure thank you so much um about you know all the different players i've seen over the over the many decades that i've actually watched envelopes in the post um <laughs> so thank you and obviously thanks everyone for watching as well or or listening whether it's on youtube or spotify or apple podcast or amazon music thing whatever it is as as gan says make sure you go on you know check it like subscribe watch them all um we've got some uh and also you know keep donating guys to the iron supporting food banks um we yeah, had to raise twenty thousand pounds by the end of september about 18 and a half grand so hopefully we'll be able to do it by then um and until next time for me and gansil hammer take care everyone stay safe come on your irons and we'll see come you again on come on your eyes and we'll see you again very very soon sports social podcast network